From WNYC, this is Money Talking. I'm Charlie Herman. In 2003, Elizabeth Holmes dropped out of Stanford at the age of 19 to found Theranos, a company that promised to revolutionize blood testing. Our dream for Theranos is that every single day, someone's life is better. In the years that followed, she was lauded as a Silicon Valley wonderkind. A healthcare pioneer is being compared to visionaries like Bill Gates and Steve Jobs. This morning, Elizabeth Holmes, the world's youngest female self-made billionaire. At one point, Theranos was valued at $9 billion, and Holmes herself was worth more than $4.5 billion. Her concept was appealing. By drawing a single drop of blood through a simple prick of your finger, her company's high-tech devices could run hundreds of medical tests at lower costs. But it turned out the technology didn't work. Here are two former employees telling 60 Minutes what happened when investors came to see a demonstration of one of the analyzers called the Edison. It was kind of a show. All they would see was their blood getting collected. They didn't see what was going on behind closed doors. So was the Edison doing the testing? No, absolutely not. Who was doing the testing? It was scientists at the bench. By hand? By hand, yeah. It is a story of deception and fraud, and it is detailed in the new book, Bad Blood, by Pulitzer Prize-winning journalist John Carreyrou, who first broke the story in the Wall Street Journal. John, good morning. Good morning. Thanks for having me. So did these devices ever work? No. There were three iterations of the technology. In the early years of the company, they tried to do a microfluidic device. They couldn't get that to work. Then they pivoted to what was essentially a converted glue dispensing robot, which became the Edison. And then the last iteration of the technology was called the Minilab. And when they went live with the blood tests in September of 2013, the Minilab was a malfunctioning prototype that was years away from working. Well, let's step back, because if you look big picture what they were trying to do, how revolutionary would it have been? It actually would have been pretty game-changing. You know, thousands of scientists in industry and academia have been trying to crack this nut, which is to be able to run many tests off just a tiny blood sample. It could have many applications, and no one has been able to figure it out. What would some of those applications have been? Well, for instance, uh, testing people in the field. You had a Zika epidemic in Latin America a year or two ago, and you had an Ebola epidemic a couple of years ago in, on the African continent. Those are some of the applications in the field that you could use. Testing just from a pinprick is great for babies rather than drawing tubes and tubes of blood. It's also great for elderly people, for cancer patients. So these devices that Theranos had weren't working, and yet they were actually out of the market testing people's blood. How did they do this without getting regulatory approval? So they exploited this sort of regulatory no-man's land between two health regulators, the FDA and the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services. And the FDA uh, regulates, reviews, and approves the instruments, the machines that labs buy and use. And CMS is the regulator that oversees clinical labs and how they operate. But then there's this category of tests known as laboratory-developed tests, which are tests that labs fashion with their own devices and their own methods that neither of these agencies really takes a close look at. And so Elizabeth Holmes and her boyfriend, who was the number two at the company, Sonny Balwani, drove a, a truck right through that loophole. When reading your book, there was a sense that this was almost a bit of a pyramid scheme of we need to get money from people to be able to build this device, and the device isn't quite working, so we need to get even more money to create the device to meet the promise of what we're saying is going to happen, and it sort of was always kind of rolling forward. That's exactly what it was. Her game was to promise the moon to investors to raise money and then hope that the development of the device and that the technology would eventually catch up with reality. The problem is the gap between 
between what was promised and what the reality was got so huge that by the time she went live with the blood tests in the fall of 2013, it became this massive fraud. And we're not talking about, oh, my uh, Uber didn't arrive on time, my app failed. We're actually talking about people's lives. Right. This was one of the huge mistakes that Elizabeth Holmes and Theranos made. They styled themselves in the mold of a traditional Silicon Valley tech company and kind of adopted this ethos of fake it until you make it. There's a term that was coined in the early 80s in Silicon Valley called vaporware, and it referred to a software that was promised with great fanfare and then either rolled out years late and not living up to expectations or never rolled out at all. And that's fine when you're dealing with computer software or most of the time with a website or a smartphone app, but you absolutely cannot do that in the realm of medicine. She was able to recruit people like Henry Kissinger, George Shultz, the now current Secretary of Defense, Jim Mattis, Rupert Murdoch, companies like Walgreens to sign up, to give her money. How? Walgreens is one of the most incomprehensible parts of this story. How did Walgreens get into a partnership with this company and not realize that the technology didn't work? And the answer is actually in one of the chapters of my book. Walgreens actually hired a lab consultant who was supposed to help it do due diligence and vet the technology. And what happened is is Elizabeth Holmes and Sonny, her boyfriend, froze him out. After a while, they started not liking the questions that he was asking, and they asked Walgreens to exclude him from meetings between the companies and from these weekly video conference calls. And Walgreens did freeze him out and didn't allow him to do the job that he was hired for. Holmes was the first female CEO tech billionaire in Silicon Valley. In your reporting, did your sources indicate whether her youth or her gender played a role in in both the attention she received and the criticism? The gender especially. There was a yearning, an appetite in Silicon Valley and beyond for someone who was female who would make it the way Steve Jobs, Bill Gates, Mark Zuckerberg, the Google founders had made it. All these guys are men. She would have been the first female tech billionaire. Is the fraud at Theranos a cautionary tale about Silicon Valley tech companies, or is it just unique to that one particular company? I think it's both. It's unique to Theranos in that I don't think there are many examples in the history of American capitalism where there have been so many lies and so many egregious lies. But I think it's also emblematic of this boom that we've had in Silicon Valley. Some would call it a bubble where so much money has flowed into the valley over the past 10 years that startup founders have been able to pick and choose investors themselves and decide things like how much voting power they should get and insist on controlling their companies. And really, basically, it's led to a situation where these young startup founders, some of them college dropouts, can do whatever they want. Where do things stand now with her and the company? Well, the company is a few months from being liquidated. And then the other thing that bears watching is the U.S. attorney's office in San Francisco has been conducting a criminal investigation. My sources tell me that that investigation is very well advanced. And I think criminal indictments of Holmes and her ex-boyfriend, Sonny Balwani, are a distinct possibility. John Carreyrou is the author of Bad Blood, Secrets and Lies in a Silicon Valley Startup. John, thank you very much. Thanks very much for having me. I'm Charlie Herman. This is Money Talking from WNYC.